Welcome to Through the Bible. Today we continue our study of what our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, calls one of the high watermarks in the Word of God. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz, and if you've got your Bible handy, why don't you turn it to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. If you know someone who needs to hear the gospel, the straight truth from the Apostle Paul, invite them along for the journey. All of our previous messages in Galatians are available for free when you download the Through the Bible app. Now you'll find it in your favorite app store, or you can go to ttb.org forward slash listen. You can also purchase our Bible bus flash drive, and that contains Dr. McGee's entire five-year study, as well as all of his notes and outlines and more than a 100 of his digital booklets. Look for it in our store at ttb.org or give us a call at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Before we get started today, here's a letter that we received from a listener named Barbara in Fresno, California. I've been listening to you since before I was born, she says. My mother started listening in the early 80s, and while pregnant with me, she listened three times a day. She continued this as Through the Bible was played on a regular basis in our home and car growing up. I never listened on my own until my late teens when I finally got on board myself. I'm now on my third trip. I'm so thankful for the many listening options. I've used just about all of them at one time or another. Through the Bible is not just a radio program to me, Barbara continues. It means so much more. Steve and Greg aren't just representatives of the ministry, but they are family. And I feel connected to Christians around the world through the prayer team and listener letters. Thank you to all who faithfully serve to make this ministry a reality. Thank you for being faithful to God's word and the gospel. Thank you for reaching the many around the world with what they need most, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your online resources. Thank you for the updated website. I love it. Thank you to everyone, staff and listeners around the world who make Through the Bible thrive. Well, thank you, Barbara. Thanks for your enthusiasm and your encouragement as well. It's great to hear from you. Next, we've got a letter. This one's from Catherine. She's in San Antonio, Texas. I first heard Dr. McGee in the mid-90s and being saved just shy of my 38th birthday. I was in my car on a dark morning and remember saying out loud, who is this? Little did I know how much I would come to love that voice. Catherine continues, For years I listened on KDRY, but now I listen through the app each night while I eat dinner. Every time I look at my Bible, I see notes that come from my studies with Dr. McGee. And I quote them often in my classroom when teaching the Bible to my second graders. I don't remember when I first began giving monthly, but I think I've probably bought quite a few parts for the Bible bus. Thank you to all for continuing to take the whole word to the whole world, and please keep up the letter reading and worldwide updates. They are so inspirational. Well, thanks, Catherine. Thanks for your investment that keeps the Bible bus going in your community and in more than 200 languages all around the world. And especially thanks for your letter. May your ministry to those second graders be fruitful for years to come. And now, what are you learning as we travel through God's entire word together? And maybe like Catherine, how are you using what you learn to inspire others? Well, you know that we'd love to hear your story of how you're being faithful to God's Word. So if you've been waiting, now's the perfect time to write. Tell us all the good things that God's doing as we study His Word together. You can fire off a quick email. Just send it to BibleBus at ttb.org. You can always mail your note to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, Box 25325. London, Ontario, N6C6B1, or call us anytime and leave a message at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Now let's pray for and with one another now. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us the amazing privilege of taking your whole word to the whole world. We pray that you would bless this Bible teaching ministry even today. 
May it reach further than we have ever planned or dreamed, further than we can even imagine. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study of Galatians 3 on Through the Bible. Now, friends, we come today to this 17th verse of the third chapter of Galatians, and we've slowed down to a walk, and we've done it in a very definite way because it was done intentionally. I want to spend time in this epistle. I consider it one of the high watermarks in the Word of God. And if you could just get straight on what the gospel is, it would certainly straighten out the highway of life for you. Now, I'd like to just move back and pick up something that we did not lift out of verse 13, because we didn't have time the other day. It says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed, that is, Cursed of God is every one that hangeth on a tree. We turn back to that passage in Deuteronomy where it says that when a person had been stoned, the body was to be taken and put on a tree as a spectacle but not left there overnight. You see, the method in Israel was stoning, not hanging. But when it was a very reprehensible crime that had been committed or the criminal was of a very low degree, Why, that was put up as a warning and spectacle for people to see, but the body was taken down at night. Now he says here, verse 13, he has become a curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. The word is having become a curse. And when did he become a curse? Did He become a curse in his incarnation? Oh, no. When he was born, it was said that holy thing. Did he become a curse in those silent years that we have so little record of? No, it says that he advanced in favor with God and man. Well, then maybe he became a curse in his ministry. Oh, no, it was during his ministry that the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And somebody says, Then it must have been on the cross. Yes, but not the first three hours on the cross. Because when he offered up himself, he was without blemish. And Hebrews 9.14 says that through the eternal Spirit he offered himself without blemish unto God. So those first three hours was when man did his worst. But you see, the last three hours is when God did his best. And it's during those last three hours that he was made a curse for us. It was then that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief, and he made his soul an offering for sin. Now, the very interesting thing is that we're told here was hanged on a tree. Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. The word is zulon. Actually means just the wood, if you please. He was hanged on a tree. And what a contrast here. He went on that cross, which was to him a tree of death, in order that he might make it a tree of life for you and me. What a picture that we have here. Now, he moves on down and making a contrast between law and grace, 
And he says in verse 17, And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Now, what he's saying here is, of course, that God made a promise or gave a promise to Abraham, made a covenant with him. Now, when the law came along 430 years later, well, it didn't change it at all because you see that the law changed nothing as far as the promises made to Abraham are concerned. And actually, God has never gone back on those promises He said of Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you a son and a people that will be as numberless as the sand on the seashore and the stars in heaven. And I'm also going to make you a blessing to all people. Now, God has brought from Abraham that nation. Several nations came from him, but that nation came from Abraham that the promises were given through Isaac, and lead down to the Lord Jesus Christ, the seed that's mentioned here. And God also said that he was going to make him a blessing to all people. And the only blessing today, friends, in this world is in Christ. You're not going to get a very good deal today. I don't think you'll get a good deal from your neighbors. I don't think you'll get a good deal in your church. I don't think you'll get a good deal in business I just don't think this world's prepared to give you a good deal. But may I say to you, the Lord Jesus Christ has been given to you. That's a good deal, by the way. And that is the supreme gift that God has made. And it's a promise that he's made. He'd save those who would trust Christ. Now, will you notice, he says, "...for if the inheritance be of the law, it's no more a promise." But God gave it to Abraham by promise. That's verse 18. Now, the important thing to note here is this. The promise was made concerning Christ before the law came in. And that promise holds as good as though there'd been no law given, friends. It's made irrespective of it. Now, there is a question that arises. The point is, then what value was the law? Why was it given? Paul is not playing down the law, if you think that's what he's doing. He's trying to help these people understand the purpose of the law. Why was the law given? That is the important thing. Paul's not attempting to say that the law did not have a glory and a majesty attached to it. And Paul is not even about to play it down to the extent where actually it mounts to nothing at all. That's not his method. It's not what he's attempting to do. He shows the law here in all of its majesty and its fullness and its perfection, but he shows that that very perfection that the law reveals is the reason that it creates a hurdle that you and I can't get over in order to be accepted of God. So now let's listen to Paul as he talks here about the purpose of the law, beginning here with verse 19. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added 
because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, will you notice here, the question is, wherefore then serveth the law? Now, he's giving us a purpose sentence here. What was the purpose of the law? Well, he says it was added. It's something that was added for the sake of, instead of because, for the sake of transgressions, till the seed should come. Now, that little word, tell, that little time word is important. That means that it was temporary. The law was just given for an interval there from the time of Moses till the time of Christ. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, John says, until the seed should come. You see, it was actually to be temporary and I think that's very important for us to see here. It was a temporary measure, and that is the best thing that could be said about it because he goes on to say here, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Now, the law was given, it was added, we're told, because of transgressions or for the sake of transgressions. It was given to reveal, not to remove sin. It was not given to keep man from sin, but because sin actually had already come. It was to show man to himself as being a natural, ugly sinner, crude sinner before God. And any man that's honest will look at himself in the light of the law, sees himself guilty. It wasn't given to prove that all men were sinners. And it was not given, as many liberals are saying, the law was given that this is a standard by which you are to become holy. Why, my friend, you never become holy this way because to begin with, you can't keep it in and of yourself. Now, many today think man becomes a sinner when he commits a sinful act, that he's pretty nice until he breaks over and commits sin. But that's not true. It's because he's already a sinner that a man commits the act of sin. A man lies, why? Because he's a liar. A man steals because he's a thief. Now, he doesn't become a liar when he utters the lie. You remember what the Scripture says? All men are liars. I didn't call you that. God calls you that. And I find myself, I can start out in the day and I haven't gone an hour until I blame it on other folk, but they make me out a liar. Somebody meets me and says, my, it's a beautiful day. Well, if you want to know the truth, it's a good old foggy day here in Southern California. And I don't think it's so nice, but I say, yes, I lie about it. And then they say, how are you feeling today? Well, I tell you, I've got a dark brown taste in my mouth, and I don't feel good. But I say, oh, I'm feeling fine. And you know, I've lied twice right there. The first thing I do and the first person I meet of a morning. It's just natural for us to be that way, friends. And some of us commit more serious lying than that. And why do we do it? Well, all of us have that nature. And the law was given to show that we're sinners. 
And you and I need a mediator, one to stand between us and God, one to help us out. Now he moves on down into this area here, and let me read now verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? And certainly the law is not. Why? Well, he says, God forbid, which means certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You see, if there'd been another way of saving sinners, why, God would have used that way of saving sinners. If he could have given a law, if there had been possible. But you see, the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to them that believe. You see, the law brought death. For the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And as all are concluded under sin, therefore all died. Now what is needed, therefore, is life. We have seen that the law brings death, and that's all that it does. It brings death. And it's not actually the degree, but the mere fact of sin that brings death. Hence, all are equally dead, and therefore equally in need. You may not have committed a greater sin as Stalin committed, but you and I have got the same kind of nature. In fact, it was Gertie, the great German, and there are many college professors saying today that he had the greatest mind of any man that ever lived. And Gertie made this statement. He said, I never saw a crime committed, but what I too might have committed that crime. He recognized he had that kind of a nature. And therefore, it's not just the degree, but the very fact of sin that brings death, the very fact you're a sinner. And it's the common grace of God that has kept most of us out of the penitentiary. I'm sure that's true in my case. Let me illustrate what we mean by this matter of the fact of sin and not the degree. Now, here is a high building, tall building. Let's just say that it's 24 stories high. And there are three men up there. And the superintendent comes up and he said, Now, be very careful. He says, Don't step off of this building because if you do, why, you'll be killed. It'll be death for you. And one fellow there says, this crazy superintendent's always trying to frighten people. I don't believe if you stepped off this building, you'd die. And he just deliberately walks to the edge of the building and steps off. You know what? He's dead. In fact, the matter is, when he passed the 10th floor, there might have been somebody there that looked out the window and said to him, well, how are things? And he says, well, so far, so good. <laughs> But my friend, he hadn't arrived yet. There's death at the bottom. And the superintendent was right. This man's killed. Now suppose that another fella, when the superintendent tells him that, why, it frightens him and he starts to run to go down the elevator or the steps and he accidentally slips and he skids right off the edge of the building and you know what happens? He's killed too. And now this third fella... Well, let's say the mafia or some gangsters are up there, and they take him and they throw him over the building because he's their enemy. And you know what happens? He's killed. Now, is the man who's thrown over the building, is he less dead when he hits the bottom 
as the man that stepped off deliberately. Now, that's a very interesting thing. You see, they all broke the law of gravitation, and death is inevitable for all of them. It's the fact, you see, and not the degree. The very fact that they went over. Now, the very interesting thing is, can that law of gravitation that took them down to their death, can that which killed them give them life? And it cannot. Now, the law cannot give you life at all. Any more than a natural law could give you life after you've fallen off and you're dead. You just can't reverse it and come back on the building like they do when they reverse the movies sometimes. Now, what we have here is this. The law of sin works this way. Death follows wherever sin comes. The law of sin knows nothing today of extenuating circumstances. It knows nothing about mercy. It has no elasticity, but it's inflexible, it's inexorable, it's immutable. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And God said to that couple in the Garden of Eden, The day thou eatest, thou shalt surely die. And he says in Exodus 34, 7, He will by no means clear the guilty. Therefore, all have sinned, and by the law we are dead. The law slew us. It's called a ministration of death by Paul. And it's a ministration of condemnation. The law condemns all of us. Now, can the law bring life? My friend, no more than a fall from a high roof can bring life to one who died by that fall. If the law has slain you, and the purpose, therefore, of the law was therefore never, never to give life. It was to show us that we're guilty sinners before God. Now, let's look at this, and I'll read verse 22 again. And I didn't get down today as far as I wanted to. But, my friend, this is important, is it not, to understand our gospel, and we are putting the microscope down on it. Verse 22 says, But the Scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. This is a tremendous statement, and friends, it's a great statement that today it's the law of God that we're all under sin. And that brings death. Now, will you note here the next verse? But before faith came, that is, faith in Jesus Christ today who died for us, we were kept under the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Now, until the Lord Jesus Christ came, the law had in it mercy because it had a mercy seat. It had an altar where sacrifices for sin could be brought and forgiveness could be obtained and mercy could be found there. All that was pointing to Christ. But before faith came, Paul says that we were kept under the law, shut up until the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Now he says here, wherefore the law was and the correct word is, wherefore the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. 
Now, what does it mean by schoolmaster? And next time, we want to see exactly what the law does and the part it plays in our salvation. We'll see that next time. Until then, may God richly bless you, my beloved. Well, as we heard, the law has saved no one, but thankfully God offers us salvation through Jesus Christ. You can learn more about this amazing gift, His amazing grace, at ttb.org when you click on How Can I Know God? There you'll find a few free resources from Dr. McGee that'll explain more about what it means to have a relationship with God. Or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE and we'll send you a couple of those resources by mail. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. And when you call us, be sure to tell us how you hop aboard the Bible bus. Is it on the radio or by app, online, Alexa maybe? Maybe it's YouTube. Well, however you study with us, we'd like to know. Next time, we'll hear more about the law and its importance in our salvation. I'm Steve Sweats, and as always, I'll be here saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's word go today?